January 14, 2003. A white stucco mansion high in the hills above Glendale, California, L.A.'s Armenian enclave. 56-year-old Martyros Iskandarian closes his bedroom door. He inches down the stairs, step by painful step. He is the founder of the family-owned chain of rotisserie restaurant Zanku Chicken, an L.A. institution. He's wearing a white silk suit that hasn't fit him for decades. Several years battling cancer have whittled him down from a burly middle-aged restaurant mogul to a frail, though dapper, invalid. He walks into the kitchen where his wife Rita sits at the table sipping a cup of mulberry tea. Rita fell in love with Martyrus in Lebanon when she was just 12. Seeing him now, she can't believe how handsome he looks for a man so sick, so near death. Ah, Martyrus, you look like a movie star. But where do you think you're going in that fancy suit? You're too weak. You haven't been out of the house on your own in months. Martyrus fiddles with the cuffs of his stiffly starched dress shirt. He looks anywhere but into his wife's eyes. He knows she can usually see right through him. Don't worry about me. I feel so much better today. I'm going to meet Garo at the restaurant. I haven't seen him in, well, forever. Rita doesn't believe him. Martyros hasn't met up with any friends since his last round of treatments began. He doesn't want them to see him like this. But even in his weakened state, her husband is not a man she can easily control. Martyros kisses the top of her head, picks up the keys to the Mercedes from the hook by the door, and hobbles past the koi pond in front of the house to the driveway. This is the last time his wife will ever see him alive. By the end of this day, the business the family started 40 years ago in Beirut, Lebanon, re-established from scratch in Los Angeles and made into a California legend, will be shattered, perhaps beyond repair. The restaurant entrepreneur, respected philanthropist and family man is on a bloody mission. And one of the great success stories of the Armenian diaspora will be forever marked by a terrible triple asterisk encompassing some of the worst acts anyone, above all any Armenian, could commit. Because just a few hours after Martyros Iskandarian gently kisses his wife goodbye, he will kill his sister, his mother, and then himself. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana has unmistakably unique culture, world-class cuisine, and the nation's top-ranked workforce development program. This incredible state's business environment is powerful, rich, and diverse. It's the gateway to 38 states and the world with a port system delivering the most domestic cargo in the U.S. It's also where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will transport the first women to the moon. 
Discover Louisiana's investment resources at OpportunityLouisiana.com to learn how your company can gain a competitive advantage in Louisiana. From Wondery, I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. While it's a cliché that the history of every family empire includes scenes of Shakespearean drama, rarely does a legit enterprise involving something as innocent as take-out pita wraps engender the kind of violence that has run through three generations of this family of entrepreneurs who fled war on two continents, only to see their business erupt in a bloody climax. This is Episode 1 of Zanku Chicken, Out of Beirut. To understand what happened on that one fatal day in Glendale, California, 2003, you have to travel a long way across continents and far back in time to 1962 and a one-room storefront in Beirut, Lebanon. It's another searing summer day in the Armenian quarter of Beirut. One-room storefronts line a dusty side street. Between a bakery and a cobbler, there's a narrow glass-fronted business with a bright blue awning. The sign on it reads, Zanku Restaurant, in white Arabic script. A white-finned Cadillac pulls up and a man jumps out of the driver's side and darts into the store. He calls out a greeting to a plump woman in an apron, cleaning a pile of garlic cloves at a table by the front window. Hello, my cousin and his family drop by and all they can talk about is your chicken and garlic paste. Margaret Iskandarian looks up, smiles briefly, and returns to her garlic. She spends hours a day whipping up tomb, a paste of raw garlic that will eventually lure customers from all over Beirut. Margaret's recipe will eventually draw not just their Armenian neighbors, but Arabs, Christians, and many other people who make up this cosmopolitan city known as the Paris of the Middle East. The customer, Samir, rushes over to the two rotisserie ovens that take up nearly the entire store. There are no tables, no chairs, there isn't even a cash register. The owner, Margaret's husband, Vartkus, turns the golden chickens on their spits and welcomes his regular customer with a smile. Samir, good to see you. How many do you need? Three, please, an extra tomb. My cousin eats it up with a spoon. In just moments, the chickens are in a paper bag and Vartkus stuffs a few more bills into the wad of cash in his left shirt pocket. Samir maneuvers his oversized American car down the narrow alley and heads home from his second visit that week to Zanku's. But in his haste, he didn't check his order. If he had, he would have noticed that Vartkus had forgotten the extra dollops of garlic sauce. That often happens when Vartkus is drinking. And Vartkus is often drinking. When he's sober, well, he's as smart and generous as they come. In fact, the idea for the restaurant came to him during one of his longer experiments with abstinence. He was visiting a friend back in Armenia and took a walk along the Zanku River. A family was barbecuing chicken over a wood fire on the riverbank. The smell of roasting meat and the laughter of the children made Bartkus smile. He decided right then and there to open a rotisserie chicken restaurant back in his home in Beirut. 
the haven where his parents settled after fleeing the Turks during the genocide of 1915. That was before his thirst got the better of him. Now, he sometimes disappears on a bender for days. If it weren't for Margaret's excellent cooking and her almost maniacal capacity for working 15-hour days, Zanku would have folded in its first weeks. But thanks to her, the store is thriving. It supports them, their three children and Margaret's mother, another genocide survivor. It's hard punishing work these early years of the business, and Vartka's love of ogi, Armenian vodka, only makes it harder. And when the family does take time to gather and have a meal, Margaret's mother often chooses those moments to tell vivid stories about the genocide, the forced march through the Syrian desert, the starvation, random violence, mass executions, all of the horrors she witnessed in 1915 during her flight to Lebanon, reminding the family, never forget. The Iskandarians hardly need the admonition. In fact, these stories will come to haunt them in unique ways for generations. It's a balmy April evening in 1968, Beirut. A man leans against a chimney stack on a third-story rooftop. His name is Margeros. He's 27 years old and the son of Margaret and Vartkus, the founders of Beirut's now most beloved chicken restaurant, Zanku. His navy Pierre Cardin suit and Ferragamo loafers are brand new. Black hair crests in a wave above his thickly lashed dark eyes. He's riding on a small notepad. Margaros rips the paper off the pad, rolls it into a tube, and carefully eases it into a small, empty bottle. The label reads, Eau Sauvage Cologne, Christian Dior. It's one of his favorites. He walks over to the edge of the east side of the building. Just across the narrow alley, a slender girl stands on the next roof over. She's just 19. Margaros wraps the cologne bottle in a kitchen towel and puts the whole bundle inside a small cloth bag. Rita, he calls softly. He loves to say her name. Are you ready? She nods. He assumes a stance like the pitchers do in American baseball and mimes an elaborate wind-up. He's showing off for the girl. He's always joking, Martyros. He lobs the unwieldy package across the alley. It lands on the roof a few feet from the girl who snatches it up and eagerly roots around for the bottle. Rita pulls a pair of tweezers from her skirt pocket. This isn't the first time they've performed this romantic routine. She releases the note from the bottle. It smells so much of him, Martyros, this man her parents forbid her to see. Not just because he's seven years older and constantly revving the engine of his screaming yellow 442 Oldsmobile up and down their lane. And not just because he's a playboy and the pampered only son and heir of the Armenian community's most popular family business. No, all that was bad enough. But the last straw for her family was his brush with the law. The police arrested him a few years ago. They accused him of being an accomplice in a notorious jewelry heist that went wrong. The robbers ended up killing the son of a wealthy Arab family. It seemed an open and shut case. The stash of jewels was found in Martyros's attic, but he managed to convince the authorities he was innocent. 
He said he let a friend use the apartment, knowing nothing of his involvement in the crime. Marderos testified against the friend and two others. All three landed in prison. Ever since the trial, Marderos carries a pair of pistols on him for protection. Back on the rooftop, Rita caresses the note from her lover, imagining Marderos's voice whispering the words to her, his mustache tickling her ear. I dream of you every night. In my mind, you're in my arms now. And a question. Can you meet me tomorrow by Makari's sweet shop? I want to take you for a drive so we can talk. Rita looks over to Marderos on his rooftop. Some of her friends think he's bad news, but she believes his story, believes he's honest. She's seen him work long days beside his intimidating mother, Margaret, picking up the slack when his father disappears yet again. We are like Romeo and Juliet, she thinks. My parents don't understand now, but eventually they will. She begins to write. After years of hand-wringing and objections on both sides, the lovers finally marry. Rita settles into the apartment above the restaurant with her in-laws and eventually her newborn son. It's her job to take care of her husband's grandmother while the others keep growing the family business. She's content keeping house, away from the ever-present scent of garlic. She leaves the restaurant to her husband. Nineteen seventy-nine, Beirut. Civil war rages on the city streets. Two motorcyclists careen around a corner and down a narrow side street, machine guns in hand. Ammo belts crisscross their chests. They fire dozens of rounds. Marderos lies face down on the sidewalk in front of an empty building just one block from Zanku. He's been hit by 16 bullets. His blood pools on the concrete. The doctors at the hospital say it's a miracle he survived. It is a violent time, but Marderos's brush with death has nothing to do with the war. It turns out he's an innocent bystander caught in a stranger's dispute with a landlord over rent. It could happen to anyone, anywhere, at any time. But bad fortune seems to follow Marderos. Many years later, Rita, heartbroken, will struggle to understand what drove her husband to tear a hole in their universe. She will ask herself if it was fate. And if it was, was she destined to become the head of a business empire in her adopted country of America, even though she had never stepped foot in the family restaurants? No, not that is, until her husband committed an unspeakable act of taking his own life. But before he did that, he did something even worse. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. 
birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance, or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. Summer, 1980, Los Angeles, California. Los Angeles. A year after that fluke attack in Beirut, Martyros is still recovering. His wounds pull at him when he makes a sudden movement. But right now, life is good behind the wheel of a rented white Cadillac Coupe de Ville. He loves the California vibe of the convertible so much he's thinking of buying one once they get settled in this city where so many other Armenians have sought refuge from the endless fighting in Beirut. Rita struggles with the Thomas Guide, LA's street directory. It's an unwieldy, ring-bound atlas, a foot wide and two inches thick. But Martyros is a fanboy. These Thomas brothers, what geniuses. Just one book, that's all you need to find any address in this amazing city. Rita, look over there, that empty store next to the mattress place. That could be the perfect spot for a Zanku Los Angeles. Rita looks up from her map. She sees yet another grimy mini-mall flanked by a trash-strewn empty lot. On the other side, there's a car wash with a two-story tall sculpture of a giant hand holding a car. The plaster is flaking off in jagged chunks. Marderos, you know your parents don't want anything to do with another restaurant. They said it's too much work. Hmm. As if their idea to run a dry-cleaning business isn't. What do we know about cleaning clothes? You know what we know? I'll tell you what we know. Good food. But his parents, especially his mother, will not be persuaded. They want to open a dry-cleaning business. But it turns out the chemicals make Marderos sick. Then they look into import-export, men's suits. But without contacts in the garment trade... It's doomed from the start. Three years pass in a blur of failure. Every spare moment he can find, Marderos cruises the city. He discovers small communities of immigrants, Armenians, Syrians, Persians, Israelis, and Lebanese, most brand new to America, just like him. And in among the burger joints and Chinese fast food places, there are Middle Eastern restaurants. He tries every one he comes across. Most of them are expensive. None of them offer takeout. And none of them taste even half as good as his mother's chicken and garlic sauce. 1983, Glendale, California. Martyros sits across from his parents in the living room of a modest brick split-level house. Between them, on the coffee table, is a platter heaped with nuts and dried fruit. He takes a sip of Turkish coffee from a tiny cup edged in gold leaf. His hand is broad, like a catcher's mitt. It's like a giant trying to drink from a thimble. 
He's making his big pitch. Look, I've done some research on a new business, and please, just hear me out. There's nothing like Zanku anywhere in Los Angeles, and this is the land of takeout. Mama, you've tried it. The fast food, it's terrible compared to your chickens. We should open another restaurant. His father pushes back. Marderos, we've been through this before. It's too hard. Remember our first day at Zanku in Beirut? We sold only one chicken. One chicken! It's too much work. Your mother, she's getting older. She deserves a rest. His mother, Margaret, begins to cry. We swore we wouldn't start another restaurant. I can't face it. I'd rather go back to Beirut. Marderos knows she's bluffing. There's no Beirut for the family to return to. The Beirut they first experienced has vanished, like the old country, in a haze of shouting soldiers, gunfire, and plaster dust. His parents resist, but Marderos doesn't let up. Finally, they give in. They agree to open their first Zanku chicken in an unlikely tiny storefront Marderos has scouted out next to a laundromat in Hollywood. After he shows it to the whole family, and he and Rita are back in their own car, alone, she speaks her mind. Marderos, I think that might just be the ugliest mini-mall in all of Los Angeles. Marderos just smiles. He's thinking, good. Americans will believe they've stumbled on what the restaurant reviewers always call a hidden gem. We'll make money we never dreamed of in Beirut, and the family will prosper together, because family is everything. Marderos believes in family. He also believes they'll succeed. But on this day, he has no idea that success will plant the seeds of his family's destruction and set in motion events that will eventually lead him to commit crimes even more taboo than murder. In the next episode of Zanku, the takeout chicken business takes off, but the family that created it, after having already survived the Armenian genocide and a war in Beirut, splinters and is once again tested by unthinkable violence. From Wondery, this is Business Wars. We hope you enjoyed this episode. This series draws extensively on the reporting of Mark Arax, which first appeared in Los Angeles Magazine and later in his book, West of the West. We encourage you to check out his work to learn more about the Zanku murders. Please, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You'll find a link on the episode notes. Simply tap or swipe over the cover art. You'll also see some offers from our sponsors. Please support our show by supporting them. And if you like what you've heard, we'd love it if you could give us a five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. Another way to support us is to answer a short survey at wondery.com survey and tell us what business war stories you'd like to hear. A quick note about the conversations you've been hearing. We can't know exactly what was said, but this dialogue is based on our best research. I'm your host, David Brown. Barbara Bogave wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Jenny Lauer Beckman is our producer. Sound designed by Bay Area Sound. Our executive producer is Marshall Louie, created by Hernan Lopez for Wondery. Wondery. 
Looking for the hottest takes and the spiciest celebrity gossip? Look no further. Welcome to Rich and Daily, the all-new podcast from Wondery that's going to bring you up to speed on all of Hollywood's most current secrets and scandals. Need to know what Harry and Meghan are up to? What's the latest in Britney's conservatorship hearing? We've got you covered. I'm Arisha Skidmore-Williams, and along with my bestie and fellow celeb news fanatic, Brooke Sifrin, we're bringing you the latest entertainment gossip every Monday through Friday. Is that rumor you heard about Rihanna true? If it is, you better believe we'll have something to say about it. So if you want to be in the know about who's been seen with whom and who's in and who's out, join us on Rich and Daily, because we don't just listen to the rumor mill. We give you the celebrity facts as they happen. Listen to Rich and Daily on Amazon Music, or you can listen to episodes ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. With Rich and Daily, feel the gossip. Wondery, feel the story.